RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode. There is a place in insurance for everyone with any interest or skill set, and companies need to display that to their candidates. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner of the law firm RPC, and in each episode, I'm joined by guests, and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week, we have Tom Beckett, and we are going to discuss why he chose insurance as a career. Tom is a broker with CityNet Insurance Brokers in London, but the reason why he is my guest today is because he emailed me. He listens to the podcast and he pointed out that every episode ends with me asking my guest whether they would recommend insurance to a young person, uh, but that I had never actually had a young person on the podcast to explain why they had chosen insurance as their career. So to put that right, that is what we're going to discuss today. So Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. And before we start, I need to uh, at least make a passing reference to your name and to its historical nature. So kind of, were you named after the, uh, the, the Thomas Beckett, the, the, the Archbishop of Canterbury, murdered on the instruction of Henry II in 1170? It definitely had a play on the name. So it was probably an option because of that. Yes. Good. Glad to hear it. But more relevantly, we, we have to, uh, to check your self-designation as a young person. Uh, so, so how old actually are you? I am 23 years old, 24 next month. Well, that is, that is indeed very young. In fact, that's younger than my two children, which makes me feel very, very old indeed. So thank I you. I do apologise for that. <laughs> um, so does that make you Generation Z? Is that right? I believe so, yeah, just on the cusp between millennial and Gen Z, yeah. Right, or, or, or Gen Z to our American listeners. Um, okay, right, let's start at the beginning. Um, now, by a bizarre coincidence, uh, both you and I share a hometown because we both grew up in, in Bishop Stalford, uh, which is about 30 miles north of London. It's a market town um, and uh, it's very close to Stansted Airport for people further afield. Um, was there anything in your family background that suggested that you might end up in insurance? I'll be honest, uh, there wasn't anything in my background that led me to insurance. I mean, I had no family or friends that were in the industry or really took an interest. It was only when I turned 17 that I began to learn to drive that I really ever knew what insurance was and why it was needed. So you finished school, um, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't believe this, but a mere five years ago <laughs> um, or there or thereabouts. Um, you presumably didn't go off to university. So, so what did you do? Did you go straight into insurance and how did you choose that at the time? Presumably you had various options open to you. Mm. So what did you focus on and, and how did you make your decision? So I did actually go to university. I studied sports and exercise for science for three months before I realised that higher education and the topic was no longer for me. It didn't take an interest. So I left university after being three months in. I then went to work for my dad's business for six months. He was a dog walker and trainer. So yeah, a lot of time picking up dog poo, training puppies, just the usual things. And um, after some time, I decided it was, it was time for me to make my own step into the job market. So I did kind of fall into it like most people like most of your other guests on the podcast, I went into a recruitment agency. They gave me some options, most of them being office jobs. 
and there was a job at a hearts insurance consultants, which stood out mostly. It didn't sound as monotonous as other office jobs. I'd be looking at different motor risks every day, and it was something new to learn, something a bit interesting. And within the next week, I applied, and I started, and the rest is history. Brilliant. So, so that was Hearts Insurance Consultants. Was that a, was that a brokers or you say, they say it's motor? But the, the, how did they fit into the motor scheme? Um, so they were part of, I think they still are, Adrian Flux. Oh right. So they were one of the sister companies to that. So it would be selling their insurance products as an insurance broker and all the schemes that they had access to. Right. Okay. So what was your role then? It said trainee underwriter, but really what I did was telesales over the phone okay so there was a lot of selling involved in that role <laughs> i can imagine and, and and what were your first impression i mean that's that's uh you know uh, that that's a start to the career which which many many people in insurance will, will you know will be familiar with um but probably is one which isn't really mentioned on on podcasts like this or indeed in in newspapers or magazines or that very much but that that's you know that that is where the heart of insurance is isn't it really so, hmm. so what was your first impression of the insurance world well as it was very sales driven the, there was an element of hustle and bustle been in a large office many younger colleagues call center kind of setup i mean i only dealt with car insurance at the time so my initial view of insurance was quite limited i'd say but if I had to say my first impression that was insurance is in a very broad subject and quite compliance heavy, there are a lot of risks that can be transferred and there are a lot of ways to ensure that you do that correctly. Okay. And so you mentioned that you moved on. So you obviously decided to stay within insurance, but, but where did you go next? So after Hearts Insurance Consultants, I joined a local equine and rural insurance broker called Shearwater. I wanted to build on my knowledge of work slightly more complex risks and learn different ways of placing policies. So I mainly dealt with their binding authorities for agricultural vehicles and horse boxes. So, so, so after Shearwater, where did you go? I always heard people in the office mentioning commercial insurances. It sounded more interesting to me. There was more complex risks to look at, more wider variety of things to look at. And so I joined NFU Mutual about a few years ago now. So I was there for two years. Um, and they had a great scheme of in-house company training. So they sent me away to Bristol. I was there for three weeks, learned all I needed to do for insurance to sell their commercial insurance products. And then came back to the office. And for two years, I was a sole account handler slash commercial executive for the specialist horticulture agency within the company. So the specialist, specialist what? Horticulture. Horticulture. Blimey. So, mm. so, so Tomatoes, so what, peppers, the whole lot, glass houses. Wow. Okay. So, um, yes. So did you, did you liaise directly with, with farmers, insured coming to you directly, or was it yes, through brokers, so it, or how is it done? It, so NFU Mutual was a direct insurer, so they wouldn't sell to brokers. So you'd have the insureds come to you for quotes, and you'd deal with them directly, face-to-face or over the phone. That must have been that must have been fascinating. I mean, you must have mm. all, all sorts of bizarre risks in that, I'd imagine. Oh, definitely, yes. There was a lot, lot of challenges involved with getting to learn uh, essentially a whole new industry. Yeah, exactly. I'm, and that's one of the joys of insurance, mm. isn't it? You, you end up, it's not just the insurance, it's whatever you are insuring, and that, that's what you end up kind of learning about as well. I mean, it's much the same as a lawyer, obviously, my role, because 
yeah, I, I, I once did an agronomist's case, agronomist's negligence case, where the wrong type of potato was was uh, planted oh. in a in a field in I better not say where, but um, in a in a field that was wetter than it than that type of mm. potato was appropriate for. So yeah, I, it, it, it's it's amazing. So so are, are there any particular kind of particular insurance risks that that's kind of you remember from that period with NFU? Um, I'd say storms were a bad one for the horticulture industry, especially for hail. Use after every store, as they're all glass, they're quite easy to break compared to, say, a concrete building. So you'd have a lot of glass claims come there, a lot of wind damage claims. And if the glass were broken, then the crops would be destroyed inside. And the, the, the crops are sort of vegetable, fruit and vegetables, are they, rather yes. than flowers? So it's not like indoor, I don't know, dahlia grower or something like that. No, it would be commercial, like the people that sell their vegetables to, say, Tesco's or Rowdy. Right, okay. It would be usually cucumbers, tomatoes and peppers. You are an insurer of cucumbers, or at least you were, before you, before you moved on to CityNet Insurance Brokers. So, uh, so why did you make that move and, and when did you make it? Well, I've always wanted to work in London. So I think this, the city itself has a great social work culture and excellent opportunities. And in all honesty, I have a great interest with Lawyers of London. I find the history behind it fascinating. All of the podcasts that even involve Lawyers of London, I've listened to yours multiple times. Oh, bless you. Being an insurance nerd, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a unique marketplace and with its rich history, it's an air of prestige around it that quite drew me in. I quite like the idea of joining a Lloyds broker. And so... I looked around recruitment agencies and there was a wholesale lawyers broker, CityNet, that was hiring. I went for the job and I've been there about three months now. Brilliant. And how's it going? Oh, it's I'm absolutely loving it. Wholesale was a very different challenge to working in retail insurance rather than speaking to the insured or liaising with brokers. I like being in a larger team because people can bounce ideas off of each other. And I'm learning something new every day. And that's something ideal for someone in the start of their career. Because, I mean, like those, most people, you want to be the best version of yourself. And there's always something interesting coming into the London market. You do get all the weird and wonderful things that the company market can't insure. So it's always keeping you on your toes. And, and what sort of risks are you, you involved with at CityNet? So it's mainly, well, property and casualty is what I deal with. But within that, it'd be mainly uh, property owners, security companies, contractors, and other high-risk liability risks. Okay, and, uh, and I suppose more widely, how's it going with insurance? Um, has it lived up to your expectations so far? Oh, it's gone and exceeded my expectations. I mean, going into the job five years ago, I never thought I'd be where I am now. I absolutely love it, and that's why I think more people should consider it. It's almost like a dark horse of a career choice. Not many people think of it. Most people fall into it, but I think that people should consider it because of how much you can enjoy it. Absolutely. And we're gonna, I'm going to ask a question in a moment about what the insurance world can do to attract more people of your age and your peers. But before we get that, you know, how have the last couple of years been for you during the pandemic? It's, it's a bizarre thought, but it's been almost half of your career, hasn't it? Yes. Has it been during the pandemic. So how's that been for you? It has. Well, at the start, it was a very strange experience. I'd never worked from home before. And I mean, I was 21, 22 at the time. So as most 21 and 22-year-olds, I lived with my parents. So I didn't have my own dedicated working area. I'd be sitting on my bed or making a desk out of the top of my bed, 
put my laptop on there, bringing a chair up to the kitchen. And I mean, working from your bedroom and then leaving work and going to your bedroom, it's quite hard to switch off from work. And how, how were you supported? I suppose you were, you were mostly at NFU at that point. So how, how did they support you? I was, yes. So they were brilliant. They gave us anything that we needed. They helped us set up all the systems on there, get our phones sorted. Even during one point, they allowed us, when things started opening back again, to do a rotor to get back into the office. So you'd have, say, one person in, rest at home. You can come in a couple of days a week to help you get back into things. In one of our earliest episodes on Insurance Covered, our guest was Sean Fisher mm-hmm. of the Chartered Insurance Institute. And, and she talked then in that podcast about the, the fact that insurance should see itself as a, as a profession mm-hmm. rather than an industry. Um, and I know that you've recently received a certificate, uh, a certificate in insurance that was actually signed by Sean. Um, I don't know whether it was actually signed by Sean or whether it was a sort of a computerised version of her signature. But either way, it was signed by Sean. So in terms of training, what did you need to do in order to get that certificate? I think she'd be quite busy if she had to sign it herself. So there's probably quite a few of them that go out. Uh, but she, she's very committed. For me personally, I was with NFT Mutual at the time when I did it. Um, and they offered an assisted learning option. So what it would be is they'd provide all learning material. So there were three units um, that you could learn and you can choose. So I had the learning material for those. And then every few weeks, we'd have webinars with a trainer. So when you do the test, it's a 100-question multiple choice mm-hmm. at each end. And I quite like the idea of multiple choice tests. They're great. These essays can be quite intimidating to some people. So for that, you then took the tests, you'd find out your result immediately. I believe the pass mark was 70 or 80%. Mm-hmm. If you got over that, then you had your credits for the unit, and then you'd go on to the next unit and do that. Okay, and what sort of things did you learn for the certificate? Uh, mainly the principles and general practices of insurance, like what insurance is. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a risk transfer mechanism. You learn about underwriting procedures and claims procedures as well, which is something I'd never learned before. So it was very eye-opening to look into. And, um, and, that, and where does training go from here? What's next on the, on the training rotor? So next up would be, if I wanted to go above the Level 3 Certificate of Insurance, there's the Level 4 Diploma. Mm-hmm. So it's quite a jump from the certificate commitment-wise, I believe the study time per unit for the certificate was about 40 to 60 hours per unit, and the diploma jumps up to about 80 to 120 hours. So it is a big commitment. So I think I'll be waiting until I'm more settled in the London market before I start my studies there. But once I do, that'll probably take me a good year, maybe over to do. Yeah. No, well, good luck with that. As of when you choose to proceed, that would be good. Because that's the other thing. People on the outside might not necessarily think of insurance as a profession and therefore mm. a situation where you get certificates and diplomas and, and what have you. Whereas it's a good point to make that actually there is, there is a, a, a structured training procedure. Um, so if people want to improve and develop and get to the next stage, then there are ways and means of doing that. Yes, definitely. Um, and, and outside of the, the kind of the certificate, um, yeah, have you done your own research? Where, where do you go digging for information about insurance? I go absolutely everywhere and anywhere, to be honest. I have usually I use insurance um, news websites to find out about how the market's getting on. Um, I look up online, I've even bought a couple of books. 
which to many people have called me sad, but <laughs> you like what you like at the end of the day. But um, it is great. And there's some great online articles and things about it. I think Swiss Re's probably got the best one where they do a general history of insurance as a whole. So straight back from Egypt up to current day and how it's had an effect on society. And you think reading something like that, realize, makes you sure how ingrained it is within society. Yeah, no, that those those series of the PDFs, aren't they, that you get online, yeah. that, that there's a series of them by Swiss Re, which are mm. superb. You can also get UK insurance history and, and American insurance history. Yes. I think Japanese as well, that they, they've got a number of different ones. And it's, yeah, that, that they're all excellent. Um, and I don't know when they were done, five or six years ago, I think. But um, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're well worth seeking out. Oh, definitely. If people want to find out a bit more about insurance history. Um, so I, you've already described yourself as an insurance nerd. Um, are, are you happy to be designated as that? Oh, 100%. There's nothing wrong with loving what you do for a job. The saying goes, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> if only. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But, I think that's pushing it too far. Tom. Yeah, but I think <laughs> it, it is not a bad thing at all to love what you do. And I mean, I love history personally, so... Uh, probably my favourite person on LinkedIn after you, obviously, Peter, is uh, probably Paul Miller, who you've had on the podcast a couple of times. I, I'm I, I'm not ashamed if you say that Paul is actually your favourite person on LinkedIn because he he's my favourite person on LinkedIn as well. I think he's everyone's at insurance. Yeah, no, he's amazing. Mm, the stories that he brings out and the history behind Lloyd's and things like the Titanic episode you've done is really interesting. It is amazing and. Uh, there's you know i do have plans to do a sort of a, a, a history of insurance a series of you know a limited series of podcasts on you know like seven or eight episodes mm. on, on the history of insurance but i haven't i haven't got around to writing that yet but that, that's something for the future oh you've got your first listener for that one then either I, it might well be my only listener but uh, <laughs> I, 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 if i've got one then that makes it all worthwhile um insurance still has a reputation despite the best efforts of this podcast and and, and many others as being, how can one put it, sort of grey and boring. What do you think the insurance world can do to make it more attractive to other Gen Zers like yourself? Yeah, it is unfortunate that it's seen that way. I mean, you can see how much I enjoy what I do as a person who originally fell into the job. If someone can love a career that way, falling into it, imagine how much others could like it if they considered looking into it and researching it before getting into it. Personally, I think people need to look at insurance and insurance companies beyond just the face of things, uh, sort of face-to-face or over-the-phone things that you see, and see that there are so many jobs that fit into the world of insurance. There is a place in insurance for everyone with any interest or skill set, and companies need to display that to their candidates. For example, technology and IT jobs are becoming more and more essential to the industry as insurance advances. There's insurtechs coming up every day now that you see that all provide different services. And from the opposite view, for any potential insurance newbies, I'd probably say, see where your personal interests or hobbies could fit into insurance. Because I see people who only insure risks in sectors that they take an interest in, such as beauty. So taking an interest benefits both of you and your customer. And I generally say, if you like problem solving, you'll like insurance. No, I think that's absolutely right. And so if, if you could sum it up, what is it about insurance that you love? I love that it is an unfathomably broad subject. There is always something to learn 
and there's always something going on. It's forever moving. It's what I love about it. That's that's brilliant. I mean, that's a great summary and a great great advert for it as well. So, so what, what would in terms of you personally, what, what would you say is your long term ambition? I mean, presumably, based on this, you now you know, you have now no option but to stay in insurance for the remainder of your working career. But um, I mean, obviously, for the next few years, you're going to city net and sort of learning your craft, which is essential. But you know, what, what sort of things would you like to do in your career within insurance? As mentioned, very happy at CityNet, so I will be staying there for the foreseeable. I'd like to learn my trade or specifically specialise in something possibly. Working in property and casualty itself is a broad subject in insurance. I'm quite taking an interest in the casualty side of things at the moment, so maybe a more specialist role down the line involving casualty. I have always taken an interest in underwriting, so that could be another option. Maybe a casualty underwriter, who knows? So... Tom, okay, if you were talking to one of your friends in the pub mm-hmm. and they were saying, I'm thinking about insurance, and in fact, I suppose I should say factually, have any of your, your school friends or whatever gone into insurance? Many. Many? have gone into insurance, yeah. I've got quite a few, at least five that I know of that have gone into insurance. Okay, and, and what sort of routes have they taken? Have they taken the same sort of route as you or have they gone to Lloyd's or, or how have they ended up? I think most of them are in and around the London market. Uh, contingency, I think someone does surety as well. Right. So kind of more of the niche things, which I would probably find quite interesting. Yeah. But if I did have a friend at the pub was saying I was considering it, um, I'd probably say to them, what kind of things interest you? And then go from there. Say if they're a massive music fan, contingency insurance could be a great one for them to ensure festivals, non-appearances. I say go from there and then just jump in and try it. You're never going to know unless you try. No, brilliant. And, and, and finally, I appreciate that it's very early in your career, but what one bit of advice have you been given that has proved to be really helpful in guiding you so far? I'd probably say be patient in learning because when you first join, there's a lot going on, a lot that you feel like you won't ever get understand. But if you stick with it, it will eventually stay in that head and you will learn. Brilliant. Tom, that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. RPC Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and please rate, review and share it. It really does help. Please also listen to another of our podcasts, Taxing Matters, which is hosted by my brilliant colleague, Alice Kemp. Insurance Covered is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you and I hope you have a lovely day.